You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey my friends, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Run the Riot podcast. We've got a great one for you today, Miss Eve Rebenek. Uh, she lives in the Phoenix, Arizona area, and man, we talk about all kinds of things from Hawaii, running in Hawaii, to the Grand Canyon, to coaching, to life. It's good, it's good. Uh, before we get started, we've got to give a shout out to our sponsors. First of all, want to... Uh, tell you to check out the Outlaw Race Series. Uh, just go to www.outlaw100.com. Check out those races. There's the Flat Rock Triple Crown, Lake McMurtry Run, Flower Moon, Dark and Dirty, Thunderbird. They're all great, and they've got a, a nice variety of distances to choose from at each race. Put on my great people. They take care of runners, and uh, always a good time. I just ran the Thunderbird, and they took care of me, man. I had a great race. It was good. The course was well marked. I knew exactly where I was supposed to be. So uh, check out the Outlaw 100 race series. And the crown jewel of that one is the Outlaw 100. That one's going to be coming up next year. Check that out. That's a tough 100 for what I hear. And they got a 135 mile too. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, also we're brought to you by T8.run, the letter T, the number eight dot run. It's gear for ultra runners designed by ultra runners and their flagship product, man. It's awesome. The commando shards guaranteed to keep you chafe free. Go to the website and at your checkout, you put in the number 50 dash run the riot, uh, and you get a discount. So that's 50 dash run the riot. Uh, and you get a discount at www.t8.run. Run and also brought to you by Runners World Tulsa. And check this out the half and half marathon is going on Sunday, December 6th. This, this podcast is released on the 5th, and this is on the 6th, but you can still get in. All right, if you go today, the 5th, you can register at Runners World or you can show up and they have race day registration. It's the half and half marathon. Listen, how cool this is! I've done this race before. It's a half marathon on Turkey Mountain Trails, which are awesome which I'll be training when this is released on those trails. A half marathon on the Riverside Pave Trails. So you can do a half marathon, just do one of them. Half marathon on dirt, half marathon uh, on the Pave Trails. Or you can do a full marathon on the Pave Trails. Or you can do a half marathon on the dirt and then do a half marathon on the paved trails for a full marathon and you get like two medals that connect together it's a yin and a yang and one represents the paved trails and one represents the dirt trails amazing it's really really awesome uh so guys you need to check that out go to www.halfandhalf.run and that's just spelled out h-a-l-f and a-n-d H-A-L-F dot run. Uh, check out the half and half marathon put on by Runner's World. All right. Now it's time to start with the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Eve Rebenet. Today on the Run the Riot podcast, we have from Phoenix, Arizona, Eve Rebenak. How you doing, Eve? I'm doing great, thanks. Good. Did I say something funny? No, I was just listening you to who you pronounce my name. So, yeah. <laughs> well, well, did I did I get it right? Did you I got it? it right. All right, good, good. 
we just had a talk before we started recording and had to, <laughs> had to make sure I got it right. Well, thanks so much for being uh, on the show. And of course, you know, we got to talk about some running and <laughs> let's talk about because I've seen the pictures and, and before we even get cranking, I want to talk about running in Hawaii. <laughs> so you guys just got back from Hawaii yeah. and uh, trip. It was really good. So we, um, we went there for eight days um, and maybe a little longer with travel days, but we were on the ground for eight days and um, it was sort of a last minute decision because we had to quarantine a little bit and then get our COVID test within 72 hours of when our flights would land. And um, then we had to wait for the results and get the results and, and go through um, a process very similar to going through customs to verify those results once we landed. But I have to say, like the process was actually fairly efficient. We both had our test results um, as negative, obviously, by the time we landed. Um, and we it was, it was very quick and easy. And then Hawaii has been very strict with their rules, but also very consistent. So, uh, you know, it was masking everywhere indoors and um, enforced social distancing anywhere indoors. And people were just really respectful. It's actually kind of the safest I felt during all of this. Wow. Um, even though there were more rules and regulations that allowed for some some freedoms and like a peace of mind that I haven't had here. So we wanted to go there mostly just to focus on running. So the fact that half the stuff was still closed down didn't really matter because we spent most of our time on the trails and driving to trails and trying to find random wildlife. Um, and then the other big thing that was a really big goal was to run some miles on the Hurt 100 course. Uh, so yeah, we did a lot of running and it's very different there than the desert, um, <laughs> about as different as you can get. Yes. And you know, there's yeah. still flats and still mountains, but uh, the terrain, as you know, is completely different. So it was, it was wild, it was so fun. How, how did you uh, how did you guys handle the humidity out there? You know, so I grew up in the Midwest and okay. that's where I started running. And then I've also lived in um, Atlanta and okay. I, I handle heat very well, luckily. And humidity doesn't seem to impact me as much as it does some other people, especially people who aren't used to it. I uh, go back to Indiana every summer and still run in the humidity there. It's not as bad as Hawaii, but so for me, the humidity wasn't a huge issue. Um, it helped me to feel warmer when it was raining some there because I struggle with staying warm. For Steve, the humidity was a little more impactful. I was going to um, ask about how yeah, he did. <laughs> he was, like, if you look at the pictures, you can see that his clothing is just kind of hanging really heavily on him because he, um, he sweats a lot in humidity. Uh, so it was... It was okay. I was worried about chafing with the humidity, especially with my pack, but I didn't have any issues. Um, you know, we, we also, along with humidity, there's some bugs. We don't really have many bugs in the desert. I mean, we have scorpions and other things that can kill you, but we don't have like mosquitoes or little gnats. So we always forget about taking bug spray anywhere. And so sometimes we'd stop for something and then we're like, oh my gosh, we're getting eaten alive. We have to keep moving. So, um, that for me was more of a nuisance than the humidity itself. Well, how did you um, how did you guys find that? Now, before when I lived in in Hawaii, I was um, um, I, I was running uh, marathons and doing a lot of road running, but I wasn't, and I was doing hiking, but I wasn't into the trail running, ultra running scene yet. And yeah. I hiked the the part of the Hurt 100 course, not knowing it 
you know, was a thing at the, when I did. And so what did you think about the course? You enough roots for you? Oh my gosh. You know, like I'd heard that it's roots and I, I grew up running in rooted areas. So it's not like unfamiliar. Um, I'm not a big fan of mud, which it's very muddy there, but this, the roots there were just unreal. Like there's spots where you can't touch your foot to ground because the roots are so thick and they're slippery. So you don't want to land. I fell twice <laughs> in this 15 mile run, which was awesome because it was just, just me twice? and three dudes. <laughs> yeah, I almost fell like 20 other times, yeah. but I, I hit the ground full on um, twice. Yeah. And uh, it was just me and these Steve and two other dudes and none of them fell, but I, I fell. So yeah, the slipperiness, um, and the, the mud and the roots, it was it was kind of unreal. But I think I was smiling, this big, huge grin the entire time. It was really, really fun. And it was a challenge in a way that, you know, I haven't run before. And I really liked it. I really loved the the part that was bamboo forest. I've run in bamboo for, and hiked in bamboo forest before. And I really loved that. So that was, it was just super fun. And we shared that run um, with two other teammates from uh, Ultra Red Team. Oh, that we were able to connect with out there. And it was really nice because it took a lot of the pressure off of finding where we were going. And part of the course is closed down out to the waterfalls for restoration. And they knew how to kind of work around that. We went as far as we could and then turned back. And um, they gave me a lot of ins- – they both – uh, Sergio and Wookie have both finished the Hurt 100 course. One of Sergio's done it twice and Wookie once. And um, so they were able to give a lot of intel about where the aid stations are and how you how best to move through this passage or that passage. And Sergio picked some like native fruits for us at one point. So we got to try some of these little, well, these big berry things. And um, it, was, it was just really nice. It was fun. It was different. It was so muddy and wet. Um, I think I finished with like mud solidly all the way up my calves up to my knees like probably three to four pounds of mud um yeah yeah one hip one side of my shorts was all muddy too from my fall so that's good and then you know the the other runners were helpful enough to point out where you don't want to fall because you can plummet off the mountain to your death and they're like okay don't fall here (laughs) good stuff good to know they gave some really helpful course information but it was still just it was a really fun adventure do you uh you have the the hurt 100 kind of in your future yeah i um so three years ago before i had run my first 100 shortly before um i was just starting i think i'd already signed up for javelina and i was just starting to train for it i was at a new running store with my kids and they were playing um the documentary that features hurt 100 and my daughter saw it and she said mom are you going to run that race and i said well i don't know you know i haven't even done a hundred miler yet maybe so it's been in the back of my mind and i'm not great with high altitude races or races that are super cold so i've been thinking a lot in the past year about um other ways to really step out of my comfort zone, but do it safely. Yeah. And I think this race will check off those boxes. So I am definitely putting myself in the lottery. I don't, you know, who knows if I'll ever get picked or get in, but I want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I know the risk for DNF in that race is super, super high. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just, it's something I want to take on no matter yeah. what. Yeah, I, love I can. It. Yeah, I love, it's exciting. I love the mindset. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping one day to I'm hoping one day to get back there and uh, and visit. But uh, I would that someday I would like to get out there and and get on that course and let her rip. You know, <laughs> it's just a crazy course, and I I really I cannot imagine 
moving swiftly enough for 100 miles through it like the logistics of it really kind of blow my mind because it's so different from anything else I've run but um, it's also very exciting and there's not as many races that I felt this excited about. And I think when you're doing hundred milers plus, you really need to feel that connection with the race. Otherwise, um, the temptation to stop just because you're tired and beat down is, is really high. So yeah, we'll apply. We'll see what happens. You know, I figure like I'm equally likely to get into that as I am to Western state. So who knows what will <laughs> yeah, happen <that's> first? <laughs> you might get in both. Who knows? Yeah, yeah that would be a crazy year. <laughs> awesome year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So uh, what other areas did you guys uh, get to get to, to run in? What other parts? I should have looked up the names. I'll have to try. To oh, I, yeah. My, all these. All these. Uh... Because I am really bad with pronouncing the names, which is embarrassing because by trade, I'm an uh, English as a second language teacher and I speak a couple languages and I really try hard to pronounce things correctly but um, these names I can't remember them and I'm pretty questionable with my pronunciation uh, we did a couple coastal runs that were more um, road or more like scenery of the ocean and one of those that was really really fun was uh, Kaina Point shoreline yes. And so you run out to the tip of like North Shore area. And in that area, there's a, a gated off preserve. And we went there looking for monk seals because we heard that they're there sometimes. And we saw two. So that nice. was like super, super exciting. Um, you know, we were running this path and then we kept shooting off the path to look uh, down in the rocks for the monk seals. And um, it, it was really, I don't know, that was really fun. The run itself wasn't like the trail wasn't that amazing. It was a, a Jeep road and it was kind of rutted out. It's not the kind of running I like to do, but to see the monk seals and to see the huge waves on the North shore as you're running along, it was just, you know, another one of those runs where you keep smiling the whole time. Um, yeah. Just, you have to be filled with gratitude when you are able to see things like that. And I think that's why so many of us put so much time and energy into running because it's just, um, it's so rewarding in this, really visceral way when you get to experience these things. Um, and then the other run we did that really just blew my mind was, and I'm going to use the term run pretty loosely here, yeah. was up to the peak of Mount Kaala. Mm -hmm. And that is a seven mile route up and up and down the way we went. It took us four and a half hours moving time. We estimated maybe two hours, so we had about 20 ounces of water each and about 300 calories each. So, you know, luckily it was not super hot that day um, because way before we reached the summit, uh, we were rationing water. Oh, um, man. It, it, I don't know if you've done that hike, but the way we went, it was um, about a mile and a half of paved road. It wasn't too bad. And then when you get onto the trail, almost instantly you start having to use ropes because it's very narrow single track, it's very slippery, it's very, very muddy. And it wasn't as muddy on the way up, but then at the very top, it kind of levels out. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a flat summit. And once you get up to the top, you're running in a cloud forest and you're running through a preserved bogged area that, you know, you have gates on either side. 
And that was very wet because it was the cloud forest. So there's dew everywhere. And it was amazing. It felt very primordial and otherworldly. And, you know, the ferns are like taller than my yes, head. Yes. And there are some like berries and colors I've never seen before. And so it was it was very exciting. Um, but it was also really hard. Like those ropes were really hard. I've never done rappelling or serious rock climbing or anything. And the ropes are they're hard themselves and, and the bouldering is hard, but also they're um, slick with mud. Everything's slick with mud and wet. Yes. And then coming down, it, it actually started to rain. So when we came back down, it was more muddy, which I think is almost harder than going up, actually, because the likelihood of slipping is a lot more. So, you yeah. know, one time I misjudged and I kind of swung on the rope and slammed into <laughs> a dirt wall. But, um, you know, no worse for the wear. I've, I've never been quite as grateful to get back to paved road as I was there. I was like, oh, only a mile and a half left and it's paved and we can actually run. And, you know, that was the run that the mosquitoes were really bad on every time we stopped. So, um, but it was, it was just a really unique experience. And again, very, uh, I don't know, I I just feel a lot of, of gratitude for that experience. I know traveling there and traveling at all right now during COVID is somewhat controversial. So, um, but it was it was just a really fun experience yeah yeah it uh my first time i went uh to visit before i lived there my my sister who had been there before uh when we landed she texted me did you do you feel it and and i was like yeah i feel it it's you know it's like it's just and she said it's magical isn't it and that's how she she described it and i was like yeah it's it's pretty magical you know it is a pretty magical place and it's um yeah, I know it's a state, but it definitely yeah. feels more akin to other countries that I've traveled to. And uh, I really like that aspect of it as well, including the challenges. But um, on the way back from Mount Kala, we were we had just started driving and some local the, the road there is um, not super well marked and it's somewhat overgrown single single track road and yeah, yeah. Some locals pulled over and they said are you lost you know we were like we must have looked so out of place like, no, we're, we're headed back to the city now it's fine but it was it was nice i think that those were the only people we saw the whole time there's nobody i don't know we saw a couple of people going up as we were coming down but yeah um that was a really nice thing about traveling right now is that there wasn't really anybody out there and so most of the runs were very secluded in a, in a way that, again, felt safe. But also, you know, as a trail runner and an ultra runner, we do like that solitude and that privacy. Yeah. And it's nice to not have to have, battle, have to battle crowds and popular routes. So that yeah. was nice. Did you guys get to uh, visit like Diamond Head or go along Waikiki Beach any area? We stayed on Waikiki. Okay. Uh, so we did um, some walking around there. We didn't do any running there. And it was not crowded either and there were a lot of locals utilizing it because it's not crowded so you know a lot of locals were saying that they've been able to go back there and and use the space that's usually so touristy Um, we didn't do diamond head that's closed down right now okay um so we did do another one uh shoreline run uh kaiwi shoreline and there was a a lighthouse out there that we ran up to it was partially paved partially trail and so um we did that had views of a blowhole along the way on that route and um yeah that that might have been the uh makapu'u lighthouse maybe yeah i think so i don't yeah that's near near the blowhole there yeah (laughs) yeah that sounds right 
Yeah, it's it's yeah. Anyway, I, I just had to ask about it. The place is it's, yeah. it's and I want to go back now that I've run more trails and and because uh, there's so many places I haven't explored and yeah. and uh, and like I was like I live right there, you know. It's like <laughs> I know what the one of the other runners that we ran with was telling us about um, the trail access he has from his backyard, and it just sounded amazing. He can do. If, I don't know if you know the Crouching Lion Trail, but that's I've like heard his of it. Backyard, and it's a pretty. Oh, wow pretty rough one so um but you definitely have a feeling in hawaii that you're at the end of the world and Mm -hmm. you know you can feel how isolated the islands are and you you get up to a peak and you see the mountains and then you see just the ocean everywhere and it's a very different feeling um as a desert runner i'm used to being able to see for miles and i can it's hard to get lost because you can always figure out where you're going and uh hawaii was just polar opposite of that so exciting Nice, nice. Well, I'm glad you guys got to experience that, and uh, I'm I'm jealous. So, you know. <laughs> but so let's talk about. You said you you originally from uh, Indianapolis, uh, Northwest uh, Indiana, near Chicago, actually. Oh, near Chicago. Okay, mm-hmm. got, got you. I don't know where. Yeah, and then um, so uh, did you did you run early on as uh, in school? Yeah, I started running cross country as a sixth grader and hated it. Uh, (laughs) I mostly attribute that to not having a good coach. Um, And then I ran track in seventh and eighth grade short distances. I was like a 400 and an 800 meter runner. And I really liked that. Um, But I was more of a gymnast. That was my love. Uh, Wow. Then uh, I switched to running because I, I broke my arm pretty badly twice in a six-month period, and that was kind of the end of gymnastics. So I switched to running just because it was there and easy, and I was still recovering from uh, the bone breaks, and so I couldn't really do anything else. Also, I'm not really good at anything else. Just throw some honesty out there. Yeah. <laughs> like volleyball and stuff. And, and I'm petite, so some of those sports just are not for me. Um so I, I started running cross country again in high school and by my sophomore year, I had a really good coach and that was a game changer for me. And I really fell in love with it. I used, I learned how to use running as a, a healthy tool in my life. And, um, from then on, I had a deep love for it. I had considered running at a small college, but decided to focus instead on academics. And I stepped away from running seriously for most of my twenties and focused on grad school and, and, my career at the time. Um, and then I came back to it. I was on bed rest for half of my first pregnancy and I really missed running. And I came back to it pretty hard after that, you know, take something away and you really value it. And I haven't stepped away like that, uh, again, since, since she was born really. So Wow. Just ramped up more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I've always, um, because I got my start as a cross country runner, I've always favored trails. I've never done a road marathon race. I've oh, done wow. a couple half marathons and I've run now two 26 mile road runs in training, but, and I've, I've done that distance obviously countless times, but I've, I've never completed a, a road marathon. I, it's a small point of pride, actually, like a weird oh, thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never raced this. So. Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. That's different. Yeah. Because yeah. normally I'll, this is kind of how, okay, so you, normally the, the progression is you do, you know, some road races, you do a marathon, and then you jump on the ultra stuff. So that's yeah, awesome. Well, I, I moved to Arizona um, eight and a half years ago, and I my son then was six months old. So I was just getting back into running after a second pregnancy. And, 
we had so many opportunities here with Aravipa to race even short distances on trails and I had mountains in my backyard and so there was no need to run on road very much so I thought well I'll just keep upping my distances and I don't I don't have you know I had some friends who were like oh, you have to do a marathon I said okay I'll, uh, so before my first 55k which is my first ultra I did do a 26 mile 26.2 mile run on trails so that I could nice. tell my friends hey road runners I've done my marathon and <laughs> I don't have to do it on the road um nice. yeah but it was it was an easy progression just because of where I lived I think more than anything now since you you had a background in um in high school of running cross country, did you find um, your, your when you started training for the ultra distance and running on trails? Did you um, did you find you kind of had the tools, I guess, mentally yeah. and physically to know how to? I think push so. Yourself? I think being coached by somebody who's a really good coach um, gives you so many tools at your disposal. So, and I also had some friends who were more experienced runners who sort of mentored me through that and. Of course, I've read books too, like Relentless Forward Progress. I think I based my first training plan off of that, which a lot of us do. Um, But I think the mentorship and also relying on um, the coaching that I'd had early on really helped a lot, you know, with balancing training hard enough, but not overtraining Mm -hmm. and making sure that you get enough rest time. And um, also, I think making sure you're running for the right reasons. Uh, running for yourself and not running for for anyone else or to prove something so I I credit a lot of that to um, my coaching I in high school I had the same coach actually for cross country and track for so I did seven seven seasons of running with him so it was was a pretty and we did off-season training too you know almost year-round so it was a pretty profound influence isn't it amazing uh and and uh the the culture around is particularly tra- like trail running for sure because uh, when i got really into running and started wanting to run ultras man i you'd go you'd run with someone and just just you i'd ask i'd drive them nuts with questions yeah and, and, and they love you know they love it though yeah, we're all yeah, you know? we're like come join you yeah, know exactly. i think that's great about um trail runners and ultra it's not just ultra runners i say trail runners um especially they're they're so inclusive and so excited to share the passion that they have and to bring other people in and I think even when there's competitiveness it's often very healthy and people are just eager to talk about what they love and with other people so it's really nice and then those people end up becoming like your crew and your pacer and you have these trusted relationships that you build on as you keep building up and you know my um running partner who got me into ultras uh really was like enabled me in a lot of ways to do things and uh, she was a really a really positive influence during my transitional time from shorter races to ultras one of the, one of the beautiful things i love about trail running and 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 the the culture and i and i like when people transition from roads to trails they're like this is so different you know so different. um yeah even competition wise because I, you know everybody wants each other to succeed and yes you know, like even if I'm trying to win, I it's like a collective suffering effort. We all want to yeah. suffer together and and push through and reach the finish line together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and and there'll be friends that you're competing against and you you like you know you want them to do their best but you want to do your best and beat them you know it's, yeah. it's but it's and at the end you're you, you know you, you're hugging and you're you know whatever it's it's good it's cool <laughs> it's it's really good and it's it's really hard to describe if you haven't experienced it and when I coach and I have people especially who are looking at 100 milers I always encourage them to um crew and pace overnight so they can see mm. uh how things break down and how much you need that support and then how much also the volunteers and the other crew and pacers and the runners support each other. So usually people do this, you know, crew or pacing or, or some combination of those and they're like, oh my gosh, this community is so amazing. I can't wait to do this thing. And, you know, it's going to be so hard and so awful. And I saw people puking and falling over and peeling <laughs> off toenails and skin and I can't wait to do it. And I, I think that's, that's what we do with this, um, collective will. Um, it's, it's a really special community. Yeah, for sure. So, so you started running the trails out, out there and kind of got involved in the community. And then mm-hmm. you said your first was a, a, your a 55 K was your first, uh, ultra. And so yeah. tell me about your, your experience as you know, your first ultra marathon and, and how that went for you. Uh, it went super well. I was very well trained. Um, probably put in a lot more months of base building than I, than the average first timer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, for me, I think I was very scared about the idea of not running, not having run the distance beforehand because with the shorter races, I could always train up to that distance yeah. or, you know, close to that distance. And there was a lot of unknown for me, which was uncomfortable, you know, what's going to happen after mile, 26.2 you know like how is this gonna go um and i went out with a very conservative plan it was um that race was actually five weeks before i did rim to rim to rim and it was a training run for that so i didn't i didn't have any big goals for it other than to finish and have fun and i ran a lot of it with a guy that i met on the course and his dad uh, ran one of the shorter distances and ended up like pacing with him. And so I had people to talk to and, um, my nutrition was surprisingly on point for that long. I just kept eating all the things. <laughs> and, uh, at the end, at the last aid station, they said, Hey, you're in third. You should probably not wait here. And you should probably go because the second place person isn't that far ahead of you. I wish wow. I had known that maybe earlier. Um, cause I think I finished under two minutes behind second place, but oh, wow. it was a huge shock because I was just out there having fun and I had no concept of that. So it went super, super well. Uh, recovery went well afterwards. I, I had a great time, you know, five weeks later doing rim to rim to rim. And then um, after that, I was solidly hooked because I'd had a good race and a good self-supported big adventure. And uh, I couldn't wait to do more. And I was also more entrenched in the culture by then, had more people um, enabling, <laughs> giving yeah, yeah, the positive yeah. reinforcement. So, uh, yeah, it just I kind of never looked back after that race, I guess. Nice. So, uh, rim to rim to rim, uh, what, what, cause I've, I've done it before. What was your first, uh, the first time I felt, you know, doing it and, uh, you know, did, did, how, did you suffer? <laughs> uh, I suffered. Yeah. It was a long day. We were not, um, super speedy. And so it was, it was about four hours longer than we anticipated. So that was kind of hard, but I went into it knowing that I was well-trained and I kind of challenged myself to keep quiet about my complaints. And if they weren't anything major, just 
kind of deal with it on my own. And often now with ulcers, I have to remind myself to go back to those basics, like focus on the experience and don't let the small inconveniences overtake your mind. Um, I knew I was suffering less than the two ladies that I was with. So I wanted to give the appearance of being strong to kind of, uh, help with that with others who were suffering and so it, it was good it's we took a lot of pictures we enjoyed ourselves a lot um it was really about enjoying the canyon so much and you know what it's like in the canyon it's just really encompassing <laughs> like you're you're there and you're really there and there's nothing else beyond that it was my first time to run in a canyon and so as we started heading down the north rim on our way back i it occurred to me that unlike doing a summit where you go up and then come down, I had to still get myself out of there. And I was like, okay, you can't freak out right now. You've still got the whole way back and you're just going to do it. You know how to climb. You're just going to climb. And uh, But once I got started, it was it was dark and we were doing it by a headlamp and it was uh, going back up um, Bright Angel. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you're running or hiking by headlamp, it really narrows down your world to that immediate moment. Um and so I was able to stay in the moment and enjoy myself for the most part. Yeah, I was. Uh, however, I haven't done rim to rim to rim since then. I don't know that I would repeat that unless I had exactly the right people because it's it's really hard. And I feel like there's other runs in the canyon. Like I, I did a 50K there with Steve that I really liked because it was less suffering. So I was able to enjoy the canyon in a different yeah. way. So I'm not sure that I will repeat that one, yeah. but um, I love being in the canyon and I don't spend enough time there for how close it is to me. It's surprisingly difficult to carve out the time to get up there. Um, oh, man. Once it's again, such, it's an I amazing am, place. I'm jealous of that because I've only been once and that's when I when I ran it. We got there the day before and then we drove to the cave, drove there, looked at it, freaked out a little bit. And then four, <laughs> four o'clock the next morning. We, we, Same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, yes. And I had to remind myself that the, the darkness on both sides of the trail going down, that's the abyss. You don't, it, you don't that's want it, Yeah. Like, so when you're doing it by headlamp, you really just focus on that, like what's right in front of you. You don't want to get off. And that's, that's, um, that's kind of scary. I was a little nervous about going across, uh, the bridges because I hadn't done anything like that. And I'm not super great with heights with nothing under me like that but um it wasn't a factor when i got to it so that was good and the ledges especially going up north rim like even that didn't didn't bother me too much so um it was just you know it's just amazing to be there so so we we're just we're just you know halfway into talking here and and isn't it really cool how we can go places and and just just experience them running. I mean, just, just yeah. at, at, at its core, just experience nature. Yeah. I mean, yes. that way. On your feet. I love seeing things on foot for the first time and traveling through lands on foot to experience it. It's such a, a unique perspective. And I really, I treasure that. Um, I was able to run Canyon Deshay and, 2019 and it's a similar type of run where you're on native land that otherwise you can't traverse on foot you have to do it by a a jeep tour and so getting into that ultra is it's pretty special it was not a great race for me i was really jet lagged and really tired but i insisted on running it anyway because i didn't know if i would get in again and now that there's no races this year i'm really glad that i did that so even though it wasn't my strongest performance the experience of 
traveling through a place like that on foot was just very, very special. Yeah. Much gratitude. I feel like I say that all the time. Like, I'm so grateful. And it probably sounds a little disingenuous, but it's it's not. Like, I don't know how you can see these things and experience these things and not just feel profoundly grateful to be able to be part of this. Well, you know, I, 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 I say that a lot here on the podcast, too. And I encourage uh, runners that, that I coach or that I'm talking to uh, when they're, you know, I've got a race coming up. What advice? And one of the things I do is is talk about gratitude and, you know, thanking people at the aid stations. And, and when you get in that pain cave and things get really just really low man just just be thankful that you get to be there that you can do this yeah. thing and 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 that you get to see what you're seeing and you know let exactly. yourself be in the moment and it it cha- it changes you, how you feel physically it does it 100% does. it's crazy it definitely does if you're able to keep that that gratitude in the forefront um your mindset is much better and that definitely helps uh dull you mentally to some of the aches and pains that you're yeah, dealing yeah, with. Yeah, it does. You know, if you slip down into that dark hole, it's just really hard to get out of mentally and then everything feels so much worse. So definitely the races where I've been able to control it, like Kenya Deche and just focus on the gratitude, um, the experience, regardless of the performance itself, the experience is more rewarding. Yeah. So I want to, I want to talk a, a little bit more about like, cause you, you end up placing third in your first race and I want to talk about your other races and how you did, but I want, let's, let's pause real quick. What, what kind of tools do you use when you're, when you're running, when you're racing and when you're trying to, you know, maybe PR a course or, or compete, um, or, you know, just how do you, um, what kind of tools do you use to, to try to get back to gratitude? You know, when, when, uh, things are hurting and, and you, you feel that slide toward negativity. Do you have any kind of mantras or, or things that um, you... I do. Actually, I have... Uh, it sounds a little cheesy, but um, Scott Jurek's mantra of sometimes we just do things really works for me. Really? I, I had a, a strong race um, April of 2019 that didn't start out strong. I started out in kind of a negative headspace and I thought how dare you be out here on this course doing well and be ready to cry like how dare you feel this way like there are so many people that would be you know trade places with you in a heartbeat and how can you feel this way and I kept reminding myself okay we just do these things I'm doing this hard thing and it's okay I'm okay um so that has helped me sometimes I just have to tell myself that I'm strong over and over you're strong you can do this you're strong you can do this but I think also the biggest thing for me is focusing outward talking with aid station volunteers talking someone to someone else and giving them some encouragement um you know focusing on someone ahead of me that I want to try to catch up with so that I can talk to them and exchange pleasantries and encouragement um getting out of my own headspace is really the biggest thing sometimes you can't do that because of how people spread out on the courses so i talk out loud to myself to be honest with you you know like i, I need to hear those things and there's no one there so i'm like all right you can do this you're strong you're brave you're tough you're trained for this you know you can do this you've done it before just keep doing it you gotta you gotta be your own hype um yeah. because that's you know if that works no matter how silly it sounds saying sometimes we can just do things and i'm just going to do this thing it it helps. But I do prefer if it's an option to um, focus on other people and saying kind things to them because I think that lifts your spirits right away and helps to change things. And that's a lot of what I tell my, my runners, just like you, you know, focus on being grateful, say good things to the volunteers, help anyone else who's out there. Those things are more important than the immediate performance. Um, and I really think that helps keep things in perspective, too. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, one of the thing, another one from Scott Jurek in his book uh, North uh, that I really love and, and that spoke to me and speaks to me, and I use it. Uh, this is who I am. This is what I do. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. You know, in the middle of pain, just like this is who I am. This is what I do. And I, I had one before. I still use it. It's kind of cheesy, and I've been known to say it out loud <laughs> as the miles get. As the miles get longer, I get stronger. So. <laughs> you know, it works. Like sometimes you need easy, cheesy rhyming stuff because you've got to have something that you can repeat over and over that's going to stick with you and drown out the pain and drown out the negative voices. Um, you know, so whatever works, no matter how cheesy or silly it is. And if it works, it works. Yeah. So. And, and, and I, I tell runners to always when you go into an aid station, make yourself smile and, yeah. and make yourself smile whether you yeah. feel it. Smile. That's a, a good point. My friend who um, got me into ultra running was telling me about how um, when they do yoga, they focus on uh, smiling and then exhaling because those things change your body, actually. And so you get like a little bit of endorphins from that. So if you keep smiling and then do a big <laughs> exhale, it helps to release some of the anxiety. So, uh, you know, smiling is definitely a good thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and I think it's aid station volunteers are categorically very helpful and friendly. So that that helps a lot. That's been something I think a lot of us have um, been fearful of with racing during this past year with reduced support and reduced aid stations. And um, I know when I did Zion a few months ago, it wasn't as friendly and chatty as usual because there were fewer people there. But it was still uh, there's still a lot of gratitude just for whoever was able to be out there and just for us to be able to be out there. So, yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Runner's World Tulsa. You need running gear? Go talk to the fine folks at Runner's World Tulsa. Uh, talk to Kathy, to Barbara. Man, they know their stuff. If you're running a 5K, uh, if you're running 100 miles, are you just running around the block and you need some shoes? Man, they will help you with that. You need a pack? They'll help you with that. You need goose? They'll help you. If you need it and it has to do with running, I, they've got it. And if they don't have it, I'm sure they can order it. So uh, check out Runner's World Tulsa. Amazing people. Great friends. They're at 3920 South Peoria here in Tulsa, or you can go to www.runnersworldtulsa.com, or you can find them on the Facebooks. And be sure to tell them that the Run the Riot podcast sent you. It, it, it is. Um, I, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm very thankful. I've, I've been able to do a few hundreds this past year and um, and, you know, and I felt safe because of the way things were done. But, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it is that a little bit of that distancing because what we do we're by ourselves so much and it's so nice to kind of be up close with people and and to to hug people that you you know celebrate with and i mean we're we're made for that you know we're supposed to be relational people man and and so but uh i'm just i'm just great i'm grateful for the opportunities it's just it'll be nice to get back to loving on people and oh i agree (laughs) it's hard (laughs) not to hug people before and after races for sure especially when you suffer together and i know. know Uh, even dudes, man. You just, yeah. <laughs> come in here, boy. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, well, um, so you did that first, that 55K. You end up placing third, just enjoying yourself, having a good time. And, and so you're like, wow, you know, I, I don't know. That, that had to just be a pleasant surprise. And, you know, um, I don't know. Did you, did you like, did that kind of spark some, some things in you to get a little competitive in future races? Um, competitive. No, I'm, I'm not okay. super competitive. I'm driven. 
Uh, but not super competitive. So there are definitely times in races where I'm like, "Eh, I don't really want to pick off this person or I don't want to pass yet because I don't feel like I can sustain it. And sometimes I actually have to um, really work to push myself and not kind of rest on my laurels during a race. Um, I prefer to start further back instead of being in the front runners and and work my way up. It's just more comfortable for me. so it didn't flip a switch in that, but it did raise my confidence. I had had some similar modest success in the shorter distances, you know, a lot of second and third podium spots. Um, so it wasn't like, it wasn't a total shock, but it was also a little bit of a surprise. You know, you don't, yeah, you yeah. don't know until you do it. Um, so it just encouraged me to believe in myself and believe in my training and believe in the worthwhileness of all of it, you know, um, yeah. that the time I spent away from my kids training was led to something good and positive. And so that was it's just a lot of positive reinforcement, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I not maybe as competitive as I should be sometimes. So. <laughs> uh, no. So, so, so uh, what did you um, what was your next uh, race after that? Or how did you you know, what races did you begin to start doing after that so i did a i did a 50 miler um that following fall uh, a few months later um because it was december it's actually that 50 same 50 milers being held tomorrow and i'm going to volunteer at it um and it was it was tough but it also went very well for me i ended up taking first although i have to qualify that like there was a friend of mine she's now a friend of mine because she was so awesome and supportive after the race she was on course to demolish the the course record um but she had an injury flare-up and she ended up dropping out at the last eight miles and i was i took first after that uh because she and she went back the following year and took the course record and she's just amazing. But, um, you know, it was this friendship that we developed after that, but yeah, that race went well for me. Uh, I, I made a couple mistakes, but I was able to fix them and mm-hmm. keep my head in the game. I ran more by myself in that 50 miler than I had in any race previously there. I hit a, I think a 12 or 15 mile stretch where there was no one in front of me or behind me. And it was really the first time that that had happened. It's happened many times since in ultras, yeah. Uh, but that was hard for me because I like to chat with people and I thought, oh, I have to do this by myself. Um, okay, just just keep running. Just run until you can't run anymore. You know, just hold this this easy pace that you run all the time on these trails. And uh, it, it worked out. Um, again, keeping the right mindset really helps so much. Um, my knees hurt pretty badly, IT band stuff then mostly just from my body adjusting to the bigger distance um yeah. that's probably the worst recovery i've had from a race was that race ever since wow. then it's been better uh but that race it really hurt my knees a lot uh not really sh- sure why there's a, a brutal climb in it so maybe part of it was that but um it went well and i told myself then i wasn't going to just ratchet up through the distances but Sure enough, my next race was 100K. And my next race, like, <laughs> I think I had a 50K in there somewhere as a training run. But then my next big race after the 100K was a 100 miler. So I, I did in like a little over a year, just move up through the distances, um, which I'm, I don't know. There's some pressure, I think, in our sport to do that. And I don't always think it's the best thing, but it worked out okay for me. Yeah. Um, everything went went well and i i had about two years of running ultras before anything went really bad um 
I had a couple of medical DNFs because of hypertension. That was nothing I could control, so it, they didn't really leave a sting. Uh, but then later, I had some races that didn't go as well for various reasons, and you know that's definitely harder to recover from. But I think uh, the training and the adventuring that we get to do on the way to the races helps remove any of the sting of ego being bruised. So. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and then, you know, for races that I've, I've DNF'd, you know, you can go back and, you know, it's, it's, it can be, it can be tough. Like I, you know, have a pity party, but, but if, if you use it and learn from it, you know, yeah. and take, take, take something and use that to help fuel you in the future, you know, yeah. um, it, it, it becomes a tool, you know, mm-hmm. there's uh, definitely always things to learn from what goes well and what goes poorly in, in any race. Oh. Yeah. And, or in any self-supported big adventure, there's just always a lot of lessons to learn. And I think the most successful runners with the most longevity are the ones who uh, really reflect on those lessons and put them to use instead of just being cranky about what doesn't go well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got you. So, hey, w- when you were running that uh, the stretch, and I'm assuming that's the M- McDowell Mountain Frenzy, your yeah. 50 miler, you're running that stretch by yourself. Were you in the lead when you were by yourself? I guess so. I had been running with another woman until about the 50k point, and um, she was really helpful. She was a lot more experienced than me, and I made a big hydration mistake going up this massive climb where. I thought there was water in my bladder and there wasn't. And she talked me through a game plan on how to recover from that. It was really helpful. And I had a friend crewing me at that aid station. So when I set out from there, um, that other woman said, you know, you're looking really strong. You need to just go run your own race and I will see you at the finish. And I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sustain it. She said, yeah, you are. And she was right. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was, uh, yeah, it was just a, I don't know. It was a, a mental push that I needed to do for myself. Um, but there wasn't a lot of thought beyond that in the moment. I was just trying to run the miles, you know, like yeah, just get yeah. through them. Oh. Yeah, I, I I've been in a in a, a hundred miler where I was in the in the lead and and for a while and um and I just I just being when that happened the first time that it that that it happened I was like you, 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 I was in the lead and then you're running all this distance and then like you're getting to closer and closer to the finish. And then you're like, I don't know. I just wonder if you had thoughts like, okay, this is really cool. It might well, happen. Yeah. I actually thought that the other woman who had been running in first, because I'd seen her on, oh, okay. on one of those sections, I thought she was still in first and I went through the start finish of this race. And then there's an eight mile loop that you can pick up a pacer. So I picked up a friend to pace me in that last eight miles. And he said something about me being first. And I said, no, Colleen is is first I'm second and he he just let it go because he knew I was like really emotional and he was like I wasn't gonna fight with you about what place (laughs) you were in you know it didn't matter I just wanted you but he was very amped up and excited and at the time I couldn't understand why he was so excited uh and then then when I finished um I just posted about this today actually on Instagram that when I finished my kids were there, which was a surprise. It's the only race they've seen me finish. And they had been tracking me and they had asked to come see the finish because they knew how well it was going. And I was so surprised to see them. I was crying about seeing them. I didn't even realize I had won for about five minutes. My friends were all like standing there saying, okay, okay, you won, you know, and it, it was, it was definitely not the most important thing about that race. Although it yeah. was a wonderful thing that I really appreciate. It wasn't, um, it wasn't the most significant thing of that race. 
Yeah, oh. yeah. Well, and hey, here's here's a quick note. This is why it's important to have a, a pacer that knows you. Yeah, <laughs> you, totally. you might have freaked out. Who knows? I you know. know? I, yeah, I don't. I'm not real great under pressure, and so <laughs> I probably would have slowed down and and just started to doubt myself and like, yeah, I'm doing this wrong. And so he he definitely. Uh, helped me out with that, just reading the situation. And I had paced him for his first hundred miler at Havelina just a couple months before that. So it was, it was really nice to have that reciprocity and be able to experience um, big days for each of us together. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then to have your kids there. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's um, really special. Especially uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about, because I, you know, I have uh, kids and um, you know, job and life and everything else. And, and this thing that we do requires, I mean, in order to, in order to run a hundred miles, you've got to, you've got to put training in, you know, yeah, you've got to do it. Training. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you handle uh, that that balance, uh, you know, with life and other important things are the most important things. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. I um, it's hard, but it's it's doable, and a lot of us deal with that. Uh, I run funky times based around when it's convenient for my kids. That's that's the simplest answer. Yeah. You know, I I have a flexible schedule, so I am able to run sometimes when they've been in school or I used to do my long runs when they were in school um, instead of on the weekends, which meant most of the time I was running by myself because nobody else had that schedule. Uh, And I get up super early or I run late when they're asleep so that we're not missing the time together. Um, And I try to just find a balance between if I, the time I take away from them that we still have other special things to compensate for that time away. I also talk very openly with my kids about what I'm training for, what I'm doing. Um, I make sure that they feel comfortable. You know, a couple times my son said, mom, can you stay here this morning? I, I want to snuggle with you instead of, you know, going back to my own bed to sleep. And I'll, I'll can't, I'll bail on a run in those few situations because I think that's more important. Um, those my kids are very supportive of the running and I think they see that it keeps me healthy and happy and they're invested in it too they're proud of me for it you know they'll say things like oh, it's just a 50k you'll be fine <laughs> so you know they're, they're they've been corrupted right yeah and they're they're very supportive of even coaching you know I've had to drag them to races with me where I make them volunteer and I'm I'm working the race and seeing my runners and you know, they don't always love it, but they'll um, they'll do it and they'll do it with a smile. My son likes to hand out finisher awards, you know, and uh, so I think trying to include them in it as much as possible, um, even if it's just talking about it with them, helps for me. How, how old are they? My daughter is twelve; she's in sixth, seventh grade, and my son just turned nine; he's in third grade. So I did have to, a few summers ago, I had a very good friend who would come over at 4.30 in the morning and, and stay with them when they were too young to stay by themselves so that I could get my run in before the high heat hit in the summer. You know, it's, it's hard to, I should have probably invested in a treadmill, but I was stubborn and uh, I'm very grateful for all the people who've helped me get my miles in. It's, it's definitely not been a solo effort, so... 
Yeah, the, the other thing that I think is, is pretty neat when our kids see us, they see the work we put in. They see when we come in dripping sweat, exhausted, tired, um, and then we go out and, and, and achieve our goals. I think mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing for them to, to, to witness. I think the patience and the perseverance there and the delayed gratification. Also knowing that like yeah. sometimes things don't go well, mm-hmm. but it's still valuable. You know, they know that I've had some bad races. They know that in Black Canyon in February, I, I vomited for like, I don't know, 12 or 15 miles. And I told them that and they're like, oh, that sounds really awful. Yeah, it was awful, but <laughs> I, was. Still, I still finished, you know. And so I think them seeing that you can do hard things, um, especially as a mom with a daughter, um, I think it's important to send that message um, and to live that message. You know, I, I live the way I want them to live also. Yeah, I yeah. try to anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all try to. You know, it's it's hard, but we try. Well, that's and that's as parents, we want our kids to you know shoot for the moon and achieve it, and realize that if you do, like you said, you do hard things and and delayed. You said delayed gratification and went on, but that's a huge thing nowadays because even we as adults become. Mm-hmm. We like our instant this and instant that and Amazon yeah. next day and, you know, everything right away. And, uh, you know, this is a thing you got to build to it and uh, it's yeah. worth it. And I, I can give them a lot of examples of things when we're talking about hard stuff in their lives, that, you know, things that they don't want to work on or work through and say, OK, here's here's how, where I did this. And I, you know, it's worth it. And you can see this concrete example of it being worth it. So I like to think it helps. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I know they still get excited when I talk about races and stuff. So I, I guess they're listening and enjoying it somewhat. Oh, they get excited about trophies and those little things way more than I do. So yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's so cool. Okay. I, <laughs> yeah. Do you think, you think they'll, uh, they'll become runners? Mm-hmm. My daughter, probably not. She's not yeah. really into, um, sweating. <laughs> she'll hike when there's like other I, people yeah. hiking and it's a yeah, pure yeah. thing, but, uh, and she'll, she likes it. She likes being out in nature, but she's, I don't know. I can't, who knows? You know, adulthood is it, running can be picked up later in life. It, who knows? Yeah. Um, my son, I think so. Yeah, he really uh, sometimes will bike around the neighborhood and drop the bikes to the trailhead and go run for like a quarter mile. He loves it. And he's learning now how to regulate his speed when we hike on trails so that he's not just always running ahead and then tired for the second half <laughs> of it. And so um, I can see him really doing well on trails and there's some really good programs in the southwest like cross-country programs even that uh run on the trails some once or twice a week so we'll see i don't ever want to push that on them i don't care if they run or not i just want them to find what makes them happy what moves them and i hope that it includes some element of being outside uh even if that's just you know casual hiking uh which is what i do with them most of the time so it's i just hope that they see an active outdoor lifestyle is something that's important yeah and valuable yeah. yeah you uh so you 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 started running you've been running involved and now you're coaching others so tell me about that <laughs> tell me how that came about and and, uh, and 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 your philosophy on it you know uh i'll try uh, <laughs> so i've been coaching for about 18 months i set up my own company um and it came about a little bit suddenly i had had some some friends and some 
other women that I knew from social media kind of ask me, are you coaching? Do you coach? I, you know, I think maybe I'd like to work with you. And I referred all of them to other people, to my own coach and to other coaches and, you know, a, a woman who mentors me as a coach. I kept referring people out. And one of the women came back and said, I don't know those women. I know you. Would you please coach me? And Steve had been encouraging me to coach um, my my other career kind of fell by the wayside and I was having a hard time getting it started back up. And he said, why don't you coach? It seems like an easy option. And I kept putting it off. Uh, I wanted to get a hundred miler in before I started coaching any ultra runners. And um, anyway, when people kept asking me about it, finally I, I bit the bullet and I put together a website and a logo and I, I did it all uh, sort of quickly. Um, but I had a philosophy in place because I, again, I grew up being coached. So I knew I coach, I worked with the middle school teams when I was in high school and I had casually coached some friends along the way. And, um, I know I, f- I felt like an easy fit. I'm also, it, my background is in education. And so there's a lot of crossover there, motivating people to do things that they don't know they can do. And, uh, working with people who are dealing with delayed gratification. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't a hard job to do in a lot of ways um but what i didn't realize when i first started is how much life coaching is involved and true true coaching uh you know you're dealing with people who are putting a lot of hours of their life into your training plan and a lot of trust in you. And there's so many things that come up outside stressors that they need to deal with. And if they trust you and can talk about it with you, it's very helpful for them. And I was unprepared for that. So I I didn't realize that that would be so much of it kind of naively, Um, but I really enjoy that part of it. And it it is very, still very similar to teaching rehab college students who are very, eager to achieve big goals, but they don't know how to get there. And so you're kind of helping them scaffold things along the way. So in terms of philosophy, I I definitely have a less competitive thing. I'm often encouraging my runners to kind of hold back. And Mm -hmm. the overarching goal is longevity in the sport and running happy and injury free. So I don't want people to overdo things. I want people to run smart and safely and achieve their goals, but do it in a way that's not going to lead to burnout or injury. Um, Dialing back when they need to, learning to appreciate days off and down cycles in a a larger training block or between training blocks. And I think a lot of runners struggle with that and there is a lot of pressure to never take downtime to keep going and do the next hardest thing and so i really appreciate when my runners trust me enough to talk very openly with me about that and when they say okay i have these all these big goals let's plan out a two or three year plan and they're like is that okay yes that's great um so i I like i like that a lot i like coaching a lot as you know it's it's very rewarding yeah Um, so what's the name of your Company. Oh yeah, I should say that it's Rising yeah. Mountains Coaching. Rising Mountains Coaching. All right. Yeah. And what's so the website? Have, uh, <laughs> website is that. The Instagram okay. page is that. The Facebook page is that. It's all Rising Mountains Coaching. All right. Um, yeah, so you can find me that way. Uh, and I, I sort of specialize in trail and ultra. I, I have runners of all abilities and experience level and road runners and beginning runners. Um, but sort of my niche area is uh, trail and ultra and people who are transitioning to ultras or going up to new distances that need some extra guidance and things like that. So. 
what what I find is, um, you know, I I kind of fell into it a little bit too. People are approaching, yeah. you know, and stuff, and and it's like, okay, all right, let's do this thing, you know, and and uh, and I've been enjoying it, um, helping others, and 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 a lot of it, they they just need the direction and somebody to believe in so them. Somebody that's a, to that's believe a big in them. I was just about to say that, yeah. <laughs> like they just need someone to say, you can do this. Let me help you figure out how to do this, but you can do this. I believe in you. I think that's a really important. I just texted one of my friends that I coach that who's doing a self-supportive run tomorrow. I'm like, hey, just remember you can do hard things. I believe in you. And I am very careful with my runners about um, not conflating their goals and saying like, oh, I, I want to run a hundred miler next week and I've only done a 50K before. I say, okay, let's, let's walk back. And so then I think what happens is if I say you can do this thing, they know that I'm not kidding them. I'm very serious about it. Cause I, I tell them when this other thing is maybe a little out of reach right now to do safely. So let's put that off for a little bit. And then they learn that they can really trust me. And if I say you can do it, I really mean you can do it. And I love talking with them, uh, when they're in the, the throes of self doubt and building them back up and saying, um, I believe in you, let's look at your training let's crunch the numbers. Let me, let me throw some numbers at you. I'm, I don't coach a lot. Uh, I don't give my runners a lot of numbers and hard data to work from. It's it's much more effort based and uh, monitoring fatigue. But I have, as I'm sure you do, you have those numbers and that stuff in the back of your mind, and you can always dig through it. And sometimes people are really doubting themselves, and then I show them this, the statistics of what they've done, and they're like, "Wow, I did that. Okay, maybe I can do this other hard thing." And that's a really nice thing to be able to give someone. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it it's it's fulfilling. I love watching other people. I I, I get, I've gotten more emotional watching other people finish than totally. I totally. Oh crazy. my goodness! <laughs> I had a runner finish in the golden hour of Havelina last year, 2019, but she came in 45 minutes ahead of schedule, and it was like I was just <laughs> so broken down and happy and like. Yeah. And then the people I was with some other runners that I coach and with Steve and some of the other runners were crying. They didn't even know my runner, but they were like, oh, you're so excited. We're so happy for it. You know, and everybody's crying. And it's just those things are amazing. And I um, I got to see a lot of my runners finish Black Canyon this last year. I had a bunch of people on the course with me. And that was just really I, I felt physically terrible. But to see my runners coming across the line was just really worth um you know, like almost vomiting up the soup that I ate to, to sit there and wait longer for them and dealing with the cold. Like it was, it's so worth it. It's so rewarding. Just, it's really a, it's a fun career option. I'm so glad that it worked out for me. Did you, you have, you have your, uh, out doing a run or you're training and you're like, you know, would I coach myself to do this? Probably not. Uh, yeah, that happens often. And I yeah. run with a group of ladies, three ladies, all of whom I coach and we've become very close. And sometimes they're like, you would not let me do that. And I'm like, no, do as I say, not as I do, you know, and if my runners, especially the local runners who, who see me more often, if they catch me kind of doing something that I wouldn't advise them to do, they will call me out on that so fast. And I have to say, okay, you're right. But yeah. Um, yeah. How, how do you think I know it's a bad idea? <laughs> oh, good. You've been listening to me. So I'm glad that you're learning, you know. I just it's, wanted to see if you see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So so far with the, with the races that you've done, what's been, what's been the one like that's been the most fulfilling for, for you are the, I, I hate to use the word proud, but I, I guess that's a good word. The one you're most proud of that you've achieved, the one that you just kind of, I don't know, just, yeah. <laughs> I think 
I've only finished one hundred miler because I had a DNF in my second one, and then my third one was canceled this year. Um, so I think I probably have to say that one because it's such a big, massive undertaking, and I got really whiny in the last twenty miles, but. Uh, I think I still maintained a pretty, like, as positive as I could for the most part, and I really enjoyed most of it, and I did what I set out to do, um, and I got to experience it with the people I wanted to experience it with, so I think that was really fulfilling and satisfying. I didn't, I didn't walk away with any regrets or anything left undone. Um, I've had some other races where I've performed better, but maybe my mental game wasn't as strong. Um, Canyon de Shea was actually a really rewarding run for me too because I knew that I was not going to perform well and I I went into it with almost no sleep. And uh, it, was, it was just like, it was difficult to get there with my kids and my parents and Steve. It was, it was a bit of a mess, but I told Steve beforehand that I just wanted to focus on gratitude and be grateful the whole time I was out there. And so I ran the first 10 miles strong and then things fell apart as I knew they would. And, uh, but I was able to still keep feeling grateful and appreciate the surroundings. And so even though that was a small race and not a great race for me, it's, it's on par with that hundred mile finish in terms of yeah. I controlled my own outlook. And that's really maybe the most, um, important lesson that most of us take away from running ultras is being able to change your outlook and uh, wait for the, the high to come back, not just stay down in the low. I think it's beautiful when we, we run a race and no, no matter the distance, when we discover things about ourselves, like, yeah. you know, like I am, I am strong enough to get that low and, and climb back out or, you know, yeah. just, it's, it it's, it's like, wow, you know, I can do that. <laughs> I tell others, but I can do it too. <laughs> how you can turn things around um, and how you can persevere through adversity. And I think that's, it's like a microcosm of, of life itself, you know, and some of my best races have been when I've been going through some big personal turmoil. And I think it becomes a bit of an escape where I can say, okay, in this moment, I can stay grateful and stay happy and just run the mile I'm in. And um, when you have those moments where you're able to do that and stay grateful in the mile you're in, it's just really transformative. Yeah, I think, and I think, I think, I think we become, like you said, stronger people in mm -hmm. life, you know, because, you know, we've done this thing. It, it helps helps us realize that, you know, not only just running, but we can face yeah. the, the valleys of life and, and yeah, keep, definitely. Forward, keep one step forward, you know, another exactly. day. You, know? you can always move forward. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, that's a big draw of the sport for a lot of people, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I think it helps a lot of people, um, you know, to to believe in themselves, you know. Mm -hmm. And go on and do great things in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. So you've uh, you, you've you did uh, did Havelina hundred, and if if COVID uh, if we get this COVID thing under control and it's it's done, you know, next year, which is things are looking good. Uh, what what what's in store? What's what's the next uh, next on your plate? Well, in in my head, last year, what this year, twenty twenty, I was going to run a pretty heavy mileage race here and then I was going to step back for 2021 and focus on 
local 50Ks, I wanted to learn some of the routes better because a lot of a lot of runners who come to me come to me because of where I'm located and they want to run races that I have access to. So course knowledge is important. Um, but now that's all changed. So next year becomes my mileage heavy year. So I have Bandera in January. Uh, Steve and I are both running that together. And then I have a rollover um, from last year for Canyons 100K. I'm excited about that because it, it traverses on the Western States course. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, and then I am hopefully going to do Tahoe Rim Trail 100. I was signed up for it last year. There was no rollover for this year. So hopefully the lottery will work out again. Yeah. Um, that's probably the race I'm most excited about this year. Not only because it's the 100 mile distance again, uh, but also the course itself. I've run a little bit out there and I'm just I'm really excited to do that. And then on a whim and in case I don't get into Tahoe, uh, and I know Steve mentioned this on his podcast that we are going to do the Bear 100 together. And when I paced him for that a couple of years ago, I never thought I would have the confidence to even consider a hard rock qualifying 100 miler. But I'm signed up for it already. You know, I've yeah. paid. And I plan <laughs> to be there no matter what. So um, I'm excited about that, too, just because I I am starting to believe in myself more than I imagined I would a few years ago. That's so cool. That's so cool. And and, and I know you're not about the 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 trophies and the and the bling as you, like you said. But the Tahoe Tahoe Rim Trail uh, hundred oh, has a buckle. really cool buckle. It has a really nice buckle. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a really nice one. Um, I'm ex- excited about that. I don't really display my stuff. I, I do feel like maybe I should display my stuff because my kids should see that I'm proud of those achievements. But um, as of yet, it's all just kind of like on a shelf in a cupboard. Uh, but yeah, the bling is nice. The trophies are nice. It's all nice. Uh, <laughs> So, so, uh, you, I know you, you said you, you want to do hurt 100 one day, of course, Western yeah. States, any, any yeah. others that are just out there that you'd like, man, that's, that's one I think that fits the bill kind of like hurt 100 that's challenging, but that, that, that'll challenge you. Any others out there? I think I'd like to do Mohican. It's mm. an old one. Um, I actually first learned about ultra running doing a, like 15 K on that course. Uh, there were some people out there running that. 15k as their short run for the weekend they were doing their long run the next day and I was running with these these two ultra runners and I was just I'm like excuse me did you say this is your short run for the weekend and you're doing like 25 <laughs> miles tomorrow and it blew my mind and yeah. they were just awesome laid-back people it was a man and a woman and they were like oh yeah we do this we do that and so I think there's some a little bit of uh, like nostalgia about going back and doing a hundred miler on that course uh, so we'll see. Other than that, I, I'd like to do a lot of the 100Ks that are Western States qualifiers. I really like the 100K distance, and yeah. I'd like to learn those courses. So that's why I'm doing Bandera, actually, just to, and Canyons, just to kind of experience the course. Yeah, you, 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 I saw that, that you like the 100K distance. I do. 
And here's crazy. I've never run 100K. I've, really? I've always done, a, I've done, a, yeah, I've done 50 mile and I've done 100 mile, never done 100K. It's like a weird distance in my brain. And I like, so I. It's I, funny how it's weird for some people. For yeah. me, it's three 20 mile runs and I break it down like that. And it That's works cool. really well mentally for me. I do a 20 mile run, then I do a 20 mile run, and then I do a 20 mile run. And that, <laughs> it just, it fits. Like it just clicks in my head. And actually, before my first one, uh, we did a, Steve and I did a run with Ian Torrance. I was so nervous nervous about running with him and uh he spent the whole car ride to the trailhead talking about how he hated the race we were going to do which was quicksilver and he hated the 100k distance it's the worst distance and i was like oh my gosh what am i getting myself into this super experienced elite runner and but then i i did it and it just it clicked for me and it's i prefer it over 50ks 50ks are a little too fast if you know what i mean like the start fast start for those doesn't it's not as comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like to run at night. If I don't have to, 100K, you can get done before too much <laughs> night running. So it's just, it works well for me. Uh, I should do another 50 miler and see how I feel about that, I guess. But 50 mile is like harder to break down. Like, I don't know, just the three 20 mile runs. Like it just, it works in my head. So, Two 20 mile one runs and then a half of a 20 mile run. There you yeah, but see, that's not, I don't know. So I guess I could break it down like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, 50 milers are harder to find too. They're kind of a dying, a dying distance right now. I think so. But yeah, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So I like the hundred k's. I'd like to do a lot of hundred k's. I know yeah. it's not a very common thing, but um, I don't right now. I don't really consider myself a hundred miler. Maybe I'm too new to it still, but I don't think it's where my strengths are. So I'd like to do one a year. Um, yeah and see what happens and challenge myself. I, San Diego 100's on my list too. Um, Mine too, I'd like to do that. Yeah, I'd like to do that. I'm looking forward to pacing Steve, crewing and pacing Steve at that um, this coming year. So that'll be really fun. More fun for me than him, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you just get to watch him suffer. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, well, let's talk uh, real quick before we before we close down um let's talk gear um so you're you're running these trails and uh i know i know the brand of of shoe you're wearing but which what's your sweet spot which shoe is is perfect for you for trails the temp. I oh, love the, the temp. yeah i great. love it it's yeah i like the superior i like the lone peak i never run in the olympus i like uh, the Escalante and the Torin, especially the new plush, but the yes. tip is, it is my favorite shoe and all versions of it. I've, I've loved, um, you know, I like different things about them, but that shoe has just been my shoe in a way that like really no other shoe, no other brand has ever <laughs> been I'm like, oh, it's my shoe. You know, I, I just raced, uh, uh, Zion 50k and Tim's straight out of the box. Wow. So, which, you know, I don't recommend, but that's how it works out. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll just wear these. And, uh, they were great. It's, it's the right amount of cushion for me and the right amount of grip. Sometimes, especially on desert trails, sometimes lone peaks are a little too sticky. And I like the extra cushion versus the, uh, superior, um, and just the way the shoe fits, I know the superior and the temp have the same fit. So I really like that fit, the way it fits for my foot. So I, I have no, no issues with it. So it's definitely my favorite. 
Nice. I went from uh, from Superior, my first hundred, and then uh, started Lone Peak. I was all about the Lone Peak, but now I'm I'm leaning pretty good toward the temp for most of my most of my trail runs, and then really long ones. I'll, I'll jump in the Olympus. Um, yeah, but, I uh, need to try the Olympus for some of those longer runs. Those new ones are pretty sweet. That's, <laughs> pretty that's awesome. what Sue said. I really like um, the newest Lone Peak a lot too. The last version ran a little long for me. I'm, I'm on the small end of the size spectrum, so sometimes that's an issue, but um, but yeah, the temps just, they're just great for me. Did you have to go up a half a size on the temp? I'm in the same size that I have okay. been. I, in fact, actually, some of those versions I could have sized down half a size. And my current Lone Peaks I have in two different sizes because if I'm doing a short run, I can use a half a size smaller. And if I do a longer run, I, I leave more room. But most of my, because I'm on the small end of the spectrum, most of my shoes are a little bit long on me. Gotcha. Um so I didn't have any issues with the newest temps. They probably fit me better, actually, than the previous ones. Cool, cool. So, yeah. All right. So uh, what are you wearing uh, pack-wise when you go on the long runs? Nathan. Okay. Uh, I'm exclusively with Nathan. I started wearing them because they ran the smallest, and that's an, an issue I have to contend with a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not just in, like, around, but also in length, because some of the packs come down, you know, almost to my hips, and that's not yeah. comfortable. Uh, I want something that's short enough, especially if I'm running in a crop top or a sports bra. So I've always run in Nathan's. Uh, currently, my favorite is the Nathan Howe 12 liter. Uh, it's big enough to hold any layers that I need. I, if, if I'm running anywhere with precipitation or cold, I have to take a lot of layers. So that's important to me. Um, it, it'll hold a bottle, bottles in front and bladder in the back pretty comfortably. You can pack a lot in there. But it also, if you run with it fairly empty, it's stable and it's not shifting around or billowing around. So it works uh, really well. I have a, a smaller pack, a couple smaller ones that I wear less often, but the how is really my go-to for racing it's my in self uh self-supported adventures it's a workhorse pack for me nice nice uh what are you doing for gps i have a what is it a garmin <laughs> 935 uh that i use and i am notorious for like turning off my watch when we stop for bathroom breaks or picture breaks and never turning it back on so if you go through my strava half my runs are like other people's watches because i have to be at it i'll move several miles in a row it's like it's definitely something i am known for my my runners like to tease me about it um Steve sometimes will say, don't even worry about bringing your watch. I'll just add to you. I'm, just, I'm so bad about it. I, I'm not, you know, the data isn't, I guess, important enough for me on my own easy training runs to be more militant about it. Um, so, but yeah, I, I like the 935. I used to wear a Phoenix and I liked that, but uh, I don't use all the bells and whistles. And the 935 is smaller and slimmer and lighter, which again, uh, being on the small end of the spectrum, um, most of my female runners, I would recommend a 935 over a Phoenix because of the lower profile, the less weight, and it bangs around less on your wrist if you have a narrow wrist. So. Gotcha. All right. And and what are you doing uh, nutrition-wise and uh, electrolyte-wise when you're? Oh, uh, that's always in flux. Yeah. Um, same here. Same here. You know, <laughs> it like, changes. I feel like something works, and then I try something else, and it works. And so I I think it's good to have a lot of tools in the arsenal. Um, yes. Primarily, right now, I'm using. Uh, spring gels and honey stinger chews and waffles and um for electrolytes mostly i'm using 
roctane powder, but I'm trying other options because that leads to a lot of, it works really well for me, but it leads to bloating, which is not super comfortable. Um, so I'm trying to find something else that works. I'm experimenting with Springs options and a couple other brands just to see if I can find something else. But, um, I can't deny that roctane works really well for me. I tailwind, I can't handle the taste of it. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel like, yeah, I'm always just trying something new. Uh, yeah, but spring gels, I really like, I like that they have a variety of calorie counts. So I tend to grab the higher calorie ones for my long run. So I can just do one an hour. It's very easy math. And I know I'm getting at least 200 calories in. Um, and I like, uh, their, I think it's called Enduro. So I don't know. They have an apple mint drink mix. It's not super high calorie, but it's really great if you're having any stomach issues. It really settles things. It's got ginger and mint in it, and it's very palatable, way more palatable than anything else I've tried. Um, it's just not very calorie heavy. So. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's so frustrating when you find something that works and you're like trucking along and then all of a sudden it just doesn't, it just work, doesn't work anymore I know. and your stomach just, you taste it and it, bleh. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, like, I always tell my runners and I'm not as good about doing it myself, like keep trying new things because you never know when you'll need something else. When I ran Black Canyon, I had a bunch of random stuff in my drop bags and I ended up going through all the gels, all the brands, all the flavors, because I kept throwing up and I kept trying to put stuff in. Yeah. And so I went through my favorites. They were gone. So I'm like, ah, I guess I'll try this. And um, I really like Honey Stinger, but I don't love their gels. But they ended up working for me um, really well that day. So I was glad I had them. And I will always have them now in my drop bags just in case I need them. So I think it's good to just have a lot of, of options. So Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. We did the pack. We did the GPS. We did all the any anything else you use that just works for you that you want to share. Mm-hmm. That's that's about it. No, I think those, those are the main gear things. Um, a lot of people like to know socks. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I run in sort of strange man. I run in pro compression. They have the tall compression socks that I really like, but actually their lows work really well for me too. And I started wearing them just because I was an ambassador for them, but they've, they've worked really well. The combination of, um, they have a compression option for low or just a option that just has compression around the arch. That's lighter material. And they've with ultras, they've worked very well for me and I don't have any major foot issues. Um, and their compression socks are a little thicker. So sometimes when I, uh, I'm not quite fitting into my shoe. That helps as well. Um, yeah, so I that's maybe the only other gear thing. Everything else is just kind of whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Eve, thank you so much for, for sharing your, your outlook and uh, just your story um, yeah, with the listeners. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll be, I'll be hoping that you get into the Hurt 100, you know, oh, like you. really quick so I can live through you again through that, you know. <laughs> and uh, and at Western States, man, it's going to be hard next few years, but, you know, <laughs> keep trying. Yeah, it's, uh, Western States I've had a weird relationship with because the past two years I've been really hoping that I didn't get in because I, Although I qualified, I didn't, I don't feel ready. I didn't feel ready. I I think I do now, but I didn't. And so, uh, and I'd also really like Steve to run it before me because he's like three years ahead of me in qualifying, you know, let him run it, crew and pace him. And then, then I'll get in another year. But yeah, um, hopefully the lottery gods will smile on me with some of these. You never know. Wouldn't it be something if, if you got in before he did? Yeah, we're 
worst worst case would be if we both got in at the same time. Yeah, that would be because crazy. I that would not be a fun experience, and I would be worried about him. He would be worried about me, and I yeah, it would be tough. I, th- so, I think I think y'all could make it work though. If it happened, I think y'all could. We would you know, make it work. We would yeah. have a really good crew. We'd probably run it together and yeah. just say, okay, we're not gonna work super hard for, like worry about performance we're just going to enjoy this together we, we try to do one race like that each year um as a couple so i know we would make it work but i'd, I'd like to not have to experience yeah, that yeah. so we'll see that's Let's awesome see. that's awesome yeah. well i will include your uh social media uh, and all the uh your coaching page and everything uh and your personal one on the uh show notes so that people can get in touch with you okay. and uh they can find you and if they they need a need a coach hey yeah i should give you up. my um, my personal instagram too because it's way bigger than my professional one uh and a lot of people come to me by way of that it's palindrome underscore r n r Okay. So that's uh, that's the one to find me at. That's where I'm most active. Palindrome. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put Do that you know why I have that? Because no, my name is, is a palindrome. Eve. Palindrome is a word that can be spelled the same forward or backwards. Oh, so Eve is a palindrome, and my background is in linguistics. So when I set up my account originally, it was that palindrome girl, and then I changed it to R and R as I started using it for a running account. So. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I like it. I like yeah. it. <laughs> thank you. And uh, we'll be following you and, and cheering you on for your future endeavors. Hey, okay, thank you. 